Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. I'm Carlos Menares and Sean Windsor, um, columnist at the Free Press. I'm sorry to say he's still not feeling well, still a little under the weather. We we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, however, last week we had the pinch hitter. We had Jeff Rieger, who I think I called him the the Lou Gehrig to, to Sean Windsor's Waldy Pip, but this week it's an even it's an even better sub okay this week we have we have dave burkett free press rock star um he is the michael jordan to sean windsor sam bowie so it's even better right dave i mean that's accurate but let's i mean jeff rieger hit a single i hit grand slams so it's i mean i'm coming after rieger's title oh. too so oh you can let oh. let jeff know I want to make that clear okay. so uh, now, is it a real Grand Slam, or is it one of these you were uh, born at home and you think you hit Was I born at home play? No, no. I no, don't know. No. That's what I'm asking. I mean, but you were a pitcher. You were, okay, you were a star pitcher at Bishop my Cole, head, right? My is that, that's your thing. Yeah. Okay. You, what were you, a crafty, like a junk baller? What, what, what kind of pitcher were you? No, I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I wasn't climbing up MLB draft boards or anything, but you know, I mean, I, so I wasn't throwing like 90 miles an hour, but I knew how to get batters out, uh, you know, locate a little bit, you know, I had good control. A smart, smart pitcher, you know, that's you, you were like the Greg Maddox of your day. Basically. That's what I was. That's what I was. Yeah. Greg Maddox was like the me. Yeah. What'd you top out at? What was your top Velo? I don't, I don't, I mean, it was probably like high seventies, you know, that's what, okay. you know, I, I like to tell people that, uh, you know, my, uh, I, I think I still have it in this arm, except one day Comerica Park when they have those, uh, you know, the the radar guns where you can go throw, <laughs> see how fast you throw. Yeah. This was not long after college graduation when I hadn't thrown a ball in forever, and I went and I threw and I threw one one pitch. I think you got three. I think I threw one because you just can't do that to the shoulders anymore. So yeah. Well, so that? I don't I don't have a, an accurate reading on what I threw, but I well, would what, guess I probably threw high seventies. High seventies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That that can get it done. I mean that's. Uh... That's commendable, man. I, I wish uh, I'm have to go back. Did, did Mick McCabe ever write about you when, back when he was like working in his early 50s or 60s back then? So I have a story about Mick McCabe, actually. And oh. I think I've told Mick this before that uh, this is a basketball story, not a uh, not a baseball <laughs> story. But we were my senior year. went to Bishop Foley. We beat um, Aquinas with, that had, you know, John Garvalli at the time, Mr. Michigan basketball, went to Michigan State, Jason Singleton, went to Ohio State. Um, we beat them my senior year and uh, we needed to get in. I think we needed divine child to win the game that night to, I don't know, you know, get in the Catholic league playoffs or do something. And uh, divine child had some, we won't go into details, but um, <laughs> divine child had some, uh, they had some players, some of their key players weren't playing that night and they ended up losing. So I think I called, I probably called Mick McCabe's office line and left them an angry <laughs> message about, you know how we got screwed out of uh, you know getting into the playoffs or something like that because of because of the, the uh, you know what, what was going on at one of our rival schools. But yeah, Mick never <laughs> got back to me about that. So 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 it was a conspiracy by Divine Child to Still keep bitter with him back to keep day. Foley yeah. out of the playoffs. So that's what happened. It was, there was some collusion. That's what you're getting at. There's a, there's going to be a free press investigation launched anytime now. This is 25 years later. I don't think the statute of limitations has expired. I now coach. One of the old Divine Child's, Child's players, his daughter, is on the basketball <laughs> team that I coach. So I've definitely had this conversation with him before. <laughs> oh, I love it! All right, so you can't you you can't let it go. I love it. So, um, all right, well, let's talk about nobody cares about your basketball. You know, I know 
baseball, you know, whatever things he used to do. So, but we're, we're let's talk about baseball. Let's talk about Lions because I, I, so, so your grades came out, your final end of the season grades, and being the generous grader that you are, I think I've added <laughs> it up, and I think the Lions have a first round bye according to you, right? They were that good in their grades, so they they're they're playing their first game in the division around this week, right? Uh, you know, I mean, look, you know, you, uh, I know you were the one that, that, you know, the, the very few times that you went out to Lions this year, one of those times you were talking about how, you know, they, they really did beat the Ravens and they, they really did beat the Vikings and some of those close games that they lost on, on last second kicks, but, uh, you know, yeah, the fact is, uh, three 13 and one is a, is a bad season all the way around. A lot of it is attributable to the quarterback play early in the season, the offensive play, let's say that early in the season. Um, I don't think the defense was great, but it was a step forward. And so uh, as I wrote my grades, you know, it was, a, it was, you feel sort of bad when, you know, guys that have low expectations that, you know, they overperform and yet maybe you're still giving them, you know, uh, subpar grades, but compared to the rest of the league, I think you have to do that sometimes. I hate to admit it, but I think that you gave a lot of C's and I think you were exactly right because that's the, it's so hard to judge guys who aren't very good. Um, you know, they're either young or they're retreads or whatever it might be. Um, when you have those kind of players, you can't expect that much from them, you know? So when they have their ups and downs, that should be expected. And some of the guys, you know, had some, had some good moments. A lot of them did not have good moments. Um, but so, so, you know, I think you mentioned in your grades, you said that it's okay. You, everybody understands there's not going to be a good season this last season, but it's okay to, to, to think of it as a process, a rebuilding process here, you know, roster wise, player wise, coaching wise, all this stuff. So tell me why, for the people who don't understand it, they look at three wins, three and a half wins and, how the, the, when they look at this, if you have, if you haven't followed the Lions super closely, how how can there be optimism in Allen yeah. Park? They still they still practice in Allen Park, right? I haven't been there for a while, so I, yeah, I know they still practice there. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. but how um, how can there be optimism? What what, it, what uh, gives you the most reason to be optimistic? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's uh, most simply the regime. You know, like the yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, your video cut off there for a sec, so I didn't mean to interrupt. But I, I think it's mostly the the regime. Um, you know, you look at where this organization was, uh, you know, frankly, last year with your guy, Matt Patricia, and, you know, there were just, you know, there was not a lot of faith in, in the direction that it was headed. And, and there were not a lot of people within the organization, players, coaches, staff, whoever, that, um, you know, saw, saw things going the right way. And now I don't think anyone went into this season expecting the Lions to win a lot of games. And, and, you know, frankly, if you go look back at what we wrote, even back when you were writing and you weren't a big podcast star, what you wrote <laughs> probably too back in the summer, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone was judging this year on the overall record. It was, you know, how do the young guys develop? Um, do you find a solution at quarterback or have an answer for what you're going to do with Jared Goff or need someone there going forward? You know, how does Dan Campbell prove himself as coach? Do you set yourself up as an organization for future success? Um, and I, I think the Lions have have done that. I, and, and I don't mean they're like Super Bowl bound. You know, that's uh, that would be a little absurd. But I, I do think, you know, they will take a step forward in terms of competitiveness next year. And by resetting the entire organization um, in 2021. Uh, I think that's what, you know, they need. And, and frankly, you know, most any NFL team needs to do to get to where they want to go, be that perennial competitor. 
Now, the thing that I think we, you know, if, if readers didn't get a chance to see this, one of the most interesting comments, interesting things that are, that was written in maybe all of Detroit sports journalism last week was a, was a paragraph that I want to read you, Dave. Okay. This is overlooked. It was a little bit buried um, in your grades. Um, I want to read this to you. See if you agree with this. Wow. Wow. Okay. I wrote it. So I probably you wrote it. So I hope it, you agree yeah. with it. Okay. All right. Get ready. I think yeah. the future is bright in Detroit and believe yeah. with the more flex favorable schedule, another influx of young talent and the return to better health, the Lions should contend for a playoff spot next season. Defend yourself. Uh, it's too late to take that back, right? I can't say I disagree with that. You can't say, okay, what, is that, what does that mean? Contend for a playoff stop. What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, that's what it means. It's just very loose, right? You're not going to be <laughs> – I'm not saying they're going to win 13 games, but they're not going to be 3-13-1 again next year. Carlos, you look at the schedule. They play the Jets, the Giants, the Jaguars, uh, you know, the Panther. I mean, they, they play all the other worst teams in the NFL, right? This year they played a lot of the best teams. With yeah. the, the way the NFL schedule worked, right? They played the NFC North, a pretty tough division this year. They played the NFC, the AFC North. I'm sorry if I said NFC, the AFC North and the NFC West. And, um, you know, those were difficult matchups. And next year they play the AFC East and they play the NFC East. And they have crossover games against the Jacksonville Jaguars team that was, you know, got awful this year. And, and, you know, the Carolina Panthers and, you know, so, so they have a, a much more favorable schedule and I'm sure those teams are looking at the lions and saying the same thing, right? Well, we play the lions. That, that's a win. But if you believe as I do that, you know, this organization has brought some good young talent into the mix and that, you know, with two first round picks, really three, you know, picks in the, the first 34 picks next year that they will add, um, some other guys who will play significant roles next year, maybe have a little bit more free agent money to spend. They bring their entire offensive line back. Um, you know, there's no reason that they can't win. Let's call it seven games. And on top of that, you throw in, you know, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, new coach, the Chicago Bears have a new coach who knows what's happening with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I don't think there's any reason the Lions can't take a significant step forward record-wise next year. That doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs, but I do see them winning a lot more games. Yeah, you know, and I hate to say it, but but contending for a playoff spot really can mean anything, obviously, and it's the the classic Dave Burkett escape hatch. You always give yourself an out. Uh, I love it, but, but it's true. I mean, really, because they won three games, but they really, like I said, they really could have won two others or should have won two others. That's five games, five and a half games. Uh, really, they could win a couple more. And if you're close to eight wins, you're contending for a playoff spot. Probably you're you're playing meaningful games in late in late November, possibly December. You're not out of it like they were earlier this year. So yeah, I can I can. There's see seven that. teams that make the playoffs now, right? right. I mean, and it's, that's like you're only you're only not contending if you're the Lions, the Jaguars, the Texans, the Jets. I mean, yeah. that, that bottom tier of teams this year. Yeah, and whether whether there's any chance of them like making the playoffs and actually, you know, really making the playoffs and getting into the playoffs and possibly winning even a wild card, you know, that's a whole different thing. I, but, but you know what, with a little bit more health and, and, and not enough was talked about this, I think, but how much talent the Lions lost, you know, their top tier talent, the Frank, Frank Ragnows and the Romeo Quaras and the, the Trey Flowers, even these guys, you know, Taylor Decker for half a season, they lost some really good players you know, for most or a lot of the season. And when you lose those guys and you're replacing them with the Matt Nelsons out there, you know, and the Tommy Kramers, I mean, that that's going to be tough. You know, that's tough for any team to, to overcome. But, um, you know, 
the, the Lions really did show up. They really, they really showed, you know, they weren't blown out in consecutive games. You know, they had a lot of issues uh, on offense. You know, they had to make the move with Anthony, with Anthony Lynn. Now, now let me ask you that. Who's, what do they do with their offense? Cause that's one of the things that I think showed some promise. And even though Dan Campbell had to take over for Anthony Lynn, you know, they did it. There wasn't a lot of drama involved, but do you think they're going to hire an offensive coordinator or is Dan Campbell going to keep calling plays? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dan said that he's going to, uh, you know, figure that out here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, I, I would say signs point to Dan Campbell calling plays and, and if they, well, they will hire a coordinator, but you know, maybe it's, it's still Dan calling plays. And if they go that route, it's probably Ben Johnson. I mean, I think Ben Johnson, the tight ends coach, you know, if you've read anything about the lions this year, you, you know, the impact that he had on the second half of the, schedule um you know the the creativity that sort of came to the offense and, and some of the success so i think he deserves a shot young guy it's proven to be smart um you know i know obviously he worked with dan campbell in miami dan wanted to keep him on staff daryl bevel wanted to bring him down with him on his jacksonville staff you know i mean i think there's a lot of people that have worked with ben johnson that like him and see promise so um i think ben will have an elevated title next year um, look, you know, the offense will be better, you know, because Taylor Decker will be back and Frank Ragnar will be back. And, you know, all the, you mentioned that the injuries that they sort of had, there's still going to be some more to contend with. Um, so I think they will be better, uh, you know, you know, where I stand, I think ultimately in order to become that perennial contender, you know, they, they need to figure out the quarterback position. It's just historically, that's, that's the way things go in the NFL, but I think Jared Goff can continue to be a, a, a caretaker until that happens. Well, that's perfect. That's that's a perfect segue to, to our next segment that we'll uh, we'll come back with. We'll talk some some draft, uh, your favorite event on the whole schedule, the Senior Bowl down in Mobile that you love going to every <laughs> year. Um, so when we return, uh, we'll have more with Dave Burkett. Stay with us. Hello. I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Slaurie and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. All right, welcome back, folks, to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Sean's not here, as I said. Uh, Sean Windsor's still feeling under the weather, but uh, we have our excellent pinch hitter, uh, do-it-all athlete at Bishop Foley. What were you, like a three, four, 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 four sport star day? How many sports did you play at Foley? Look, I have, I have to come clean, right? You're a pinch hitter. Man, my senior year, I could not hit a lick, all right? I mean, I was 6-0 and as a pitcher or whatever, right? But I couldn't hit a lick. I mean, I probably... I, I, I just being honest with you here, right? Like, man, the, 
the the speed and the curveball like it just wasn't my <laughs> you know little league man I was a champ but by the time I got to my senior year in high school yeah you were you were specialist you were specialist man you were a maestro on the mound go. what you know I mean you not everybody can be Madison Baumgartner Fernando <laughs> Valenzuela Babe Ruth right I, you know Shohei I thought I was Shohei before Shohei was Shohei <laughs> but that, that quickly proved wrong yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. All right, so who cares about your uh, high school um, escapades? Well, let's get back to f- football. That's why everybody loves you, Dave. Everybody enjoys what you write at the Free Press. Well, you write like 50, 60 stories a week. I mean, it's it's up there, right? They just love to poke fun at me because I poke fun at myself about my escapades back in the day. But, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, so so your your favorite event on the calendar, the the Senior Bowl. Down, favorite. Down yeah. in, in, in tropical, beautiful. Okay, why do they hold it in Mobile, Alabama? Why don't they go to Miami or even like Dallas or L.A. or somewhere people actually want to go to? Why Mobile? Uh, you know what? The, the staff at the Senior Bowl does a great job. Jim Nagy runs this thing. It's right in the heart of SEC country. You know, there's, I mean, to, to draw fans, to draw some of the players, Alabama, there's no better place for it, honestly, for the game. They do a really good job down there. I would recommend you go, but you know, I know you don't write anymore. So, oh, oh, wow. No, well, the problem is, I I do write about stuff, but I write about stuff like hockey, things that you never read about, so you have no idea that I write about hockey sometimes. What's the goal worth there? Three points? I forget. Yeah, um, two sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, could they move it? I don't know why they would move it. They just moved into a new stadium. Um, so, no, it's been there for a long, long time, and like I said, uh, it may may not seem on the outside like. Um, you know, the ideal destination for a weekend or something like that. But um, they do a fantastic job. They have all the facilities there. You know, they, they've done it there. Sort of like the Combine Nindy, right? The NFL is talking about moving the Combine. And that's really going to break my heart when they do because it's it's the same thing. People say, well, why do you want to go to Indy? It's just run great. It's a great place for it to be. So, um, you know, I hope the NFL keeps things the way they are. You know, Indy makes just a little I, – I hate to say it, but Indy makes more sense just because it's so centrally located for – you know the the NFL is so spread out and everything, but um, but the com but the the Senior Bowl it would be nice. I I I know I know that you're playing the political card. You're being nice. You're giving them their props, and they do a fantastic job running it. Uh, if you don't follow them on Twitter, they do a good job of promoing all the guys who are you know little. Uh, I think they do like one liners on each player that, that that's going to play yep. in you know different position groups. Um, but uh, I think the I think that you know what honestly more media would go to it if it was in a better location I think I mean I would actually Sean would go if it was in Miami no, Sean no, no, Windsor no. would go no because no they don't care about Sean Windsor look there's a lot of like right like <laughs> does anybody care SEC about Sean media? Windsor come on I do I do I care about him and his health because that way I don't have to come on here anymore but um no look I mean honestly right you're, you're thinking from from your perspective but think of all the SEC media all the, the because there's a lot of interest in the college game down there right so these these players are they're sort of in that in between between really being draft prospects I mean they are but I think for a lot of people the draft doesn't heat up until the combine or you know really closer to the draft and they're, they just finished their college season. So when you look at the rosters, right, the Lions are, are coaching a team that's going to have a lot of SEC guys on it this year. Jim does a good job of putting all the SEC guys together. So that way when SEC fans go to practices, they can see all the Alabama guys and all the Auburn guys and all the guys they want to see. And then teammates from, you know, whatever, Michigan or Illinois or Washington or whoever may be on the other team. So if you do make that that journey down or if you're a fan from another place, you know, you sort of have – 
uh, same thing, one practice that, that you can watch and root for. Now, did is there more media that cover it from, is it more SC, like college media, SEC media, or is it more pro NFL media? Uh, you know, I would say a lot of the, uh, it's a lot of draft related media, but certainly like Nick Saban will stop in every year. So all the Alabama media TV stations, you know, reporters are down there. Um, around him, you know, some some of the other coaches may drop in just to see practice, to see their guys, to support the game. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a lot of the the draft websites. Um, you know, that you see. I, I would say a lot of the NFL media. I'll be down there for you know three days, really three full days now because the Lions are coaching. But a lot of reporters that cover the NFL may come in for you know thirty six hours, forty eight hours just to see some agents, see some personnel people that they need to, and then, then get out of Dodge. They, they don't stay for the game. Most NFL people. Cause you're going to see the players. You, the more access you get to the players is at the combine. So, well, look, if I'm being honest, right? Like I think most NFL reporters, when you go down there, certainly you're interested in gathering some stuff from the draft. And this is, um, you know, your, your first up close look at, at the players. So that that's part of it. But you know, the bigger part of it is to talk to the NFL people down there, right? Free agencies six weeks away. So you want to sort of get a sense of maybe the early groundwork that's being laid in free agency. Um, you know, that happens before the draft. So on my internal calendar, that's a little bit more what I'm worried about than, than the draft stuff right now. So that's sort of the, um, I guess the pecking order for me is I'll, I'll spend a lot of time in hotel lobbies and walking the stands at the games, trying to find people I need to talk to. This is, this is the wonderful, like, backstory of how a lot of this stuff is done and people would be shocked at how much of this kind of stuff is done at the combine and i think they think that reporters are like timing 40s and and shuttle drills and all these different things it's like no you're talking to personnel people to see which way they're leaning right. and who's coming out and what contracts they're thinking about and whatever how how they may fit into teams plans and people people do it different i mean you will see some people will write a you know, 10 practice observations or whatever from practice. That's just not, I don't operate like that because again, I'm, I'm worried about other things, right? My calendar, the draft is a little bit further down the road. So again, I'm talking to these prospects and watching them, but um, you know, on a given day, I may, there may be, you know, three agents and, you know, two personnel guys that I want to track down for various reasons, just to get some, some insight on, on free agency and, and what they think teams may do. I just got a text from our boss saying he wants you to write a 20 observations on uh, every player that's uh, down there. So you, you can look for that in Sunday's free press from Dave Burkett. Um, all right. So let if Sean comes down, <laughs> he can handle that. So, yeah. All right. So, um, all right. So, so, but people are excited, right? The Lions are coaching one of the teams. The Jets are coaching the other, uh, like American and national or side. It makes no sense. It's right. like, whatever the teams are at the, the Reese's, do you get a do you get to eat some Reese's peanut butter cups at least so they give you that because I know how much you like your candy. All over. Oh, they are all over there. Okay. So that's really why I go down. Right, bring yeah. me some back, okay? I appreciate it if you can. But <laughs> all right. So you, so so who are the some of the exciting players at the Lions? They're not going to get Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from from Pitt. Um, so so he's going to be on the Jets uh, team, but they're going to have Sam Howell uh, from North Carolina, yes. Malik Malik Willis from Liberty, right? The quarterbacks; those are more of the stars. And then the the running back from Georgia, right? James Cook, Dalvin Cook's younger brother. They're going to coach him. So 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 who are some of the guys that you think might be kind of somebody who the Lions might be excited to work with, get a look at, um, possible draft potential for the Lions? Well, I mean, you know, uh, we did leave off talking about the quarterbacks and that's the the big thing for me. And I, I will be paying attention to those guys. I mean, 
Sam Howell is probably a first round pick. You know, Malik Willis is probably a first round pick. I think, you know, people talk about this being a down year for quarterbacks and it is, but um, you know, there are five quarterbacks that could go in the first round. Doesn't mean they all will. And, and, you know, probably none of them go top three or five or whatever, but they could go in the first round and the lions again have, you know, three picks in the top 34 and they do have a potential long-term need at quarterback. So Sam Howell from North Carolina is a guy that, um, you know, he, a lot of people thought he was going to be a top five pick going into the season. Didn't have a, a great year statistically. I only watched him a little bit. Um, wasn't surrounded by all, you know, he, North Carolina had a lot of NFL talent two years ago or last season, I guess. Um, you know, they had two NFL running backs that played a significant amount this year as rookies. They had a, a receiver that, that did a pretty good job as a rookie. Um, you know, their offensive line, I think, took some hits. So, he did not have a great year, but the talent around him wasn't as good. And the same thing goes for Malik Willis, where he played at Liberty. Uh, if you watched any Liberty games, you saw him running for his life at times um, against some of the bigger schools that, that he played with. So I think for the Lions, um, even though they didn't have a say in which quarterbacks they got, I think these are three good quarterbacks for them to work with because number two pick in the draft, they're probably taking a defensive lineman. Um, but later on in the draft with that Rams pick is where they might consider a quarterback and one of these guys could be there. And so if they really like those guys, you know, maybe that's a guy that they pounce on. Bailey Zappi is the third guy. He set all kinds of records at Western Kentucky. I believe it was, he was a transfer transferred up. Um, so, you know, he's sort of a maybe mid round quarterback prospect. So those are definitely the guys that, uh, you know, I'll be keeping close tabs on, and I'm sure the Lions will as well. The Lions have a lot of draft capital. I mean, they can move up if they need to, to go into that late teens spot to get, you know, one of these guys that they, if they really like them. Right. And, and you know, I think you and I are in the same page with the Lions quarterback situation with Jared Goff. And he is a, I, th- I think he's a serviceable quarterback. You know, he obviously played better in the second half of the season when he was working with Campbell. Yep. But he doesn't seem like the long-term answer for the Lions at, at quarterback, right? You know, um, yeah, I mean, look, I uh, haven't written it yet, but what I'm writing for Thursday, you know, sort of a, you know, what we learned from the first round of the playoffs going into the second and picking apart your you know, Matthew Stafford <laughs> is a Hall of Famer <laughs> argument. But, you know, the, the other part of that is, if you go back and look at history, Carlos, 44 of the 55 quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl are Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers, right? Like, and the ones that didn't, they were flanked by, you know, just all time great defenses or defensive players. They had Lawrence Saylor or T- Taylor, I'm sorry, or they had three, you know, Hall of Famers, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and John Lynch and maybe a fourth and Ronde Barber one day. You know what I mean? Like, like those are, so if you, if you don't have that Hall of Fame quarterback, then you need to have a defense full of Hall of Fame players. Lions don't have a defense full of Hall of Fame players, and that's pretty darn hard to build in in this day and age, and certainly you want to try. But I still think to have that sustainable success, you need a quarterback. You need to have, you know, that guy that that 10 years from now you look on and you say, wow, that that guy, you know, could be in Canton one day. And so I'm with you, Jared Goff is, and we've said this all along, you know, that, that he's probably better than a lot of people gave him credit for. You know, he was never an 0-17 type quarterback. You know, he had some success in L.A., but I also don't know that he's going to be the difference maker at the position that's going to lead you to, to Super Bowl success, and ultimately that's what you're trying to build as a, as a franchise. Now, I don't want to go too much down this rabbit hole, but you as a – I've thought about the exact same thing about the quarterback, about Super Bowl winning teams tend to have Hall of Fame quarterbacks on them. And you as a Hall of Fame voter – 
I just wonder how much of it is the chicken or the egg thing for where, sure. You know, like once you win a, 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 you know, a Super Bowl, like that's when people stand up to make an argument for a quarterback in that room for the Hall of Fame. It's he won a Super Bowl. That's the one, probably the very first thing they say. They won one. If they win two two Super Bowls, I mean, you're in, right? There's just no question. No matter how Jim good. Plunkett, I don't think Jim Plunkett's in. He's he, he should be two. in. Yeah, why is it? Why are you? Why are you blackballing Jim Plunkett, Dave? Why don't you get him in, man? My Raiders. Oh, look, I, I, I mean, I think you're right. There's definitely a what comes first, but you know, you can also look at Peyton Manning and see the greatness, and Tom Brady and see the greatness, and Aaron Rodgers and see the greatness. You know what I mean? So I think Matthew Stafford. I mean, look, you know, I, <laughs> I figured this would lead to Matthew Stafford at some point, since now you're such a, a Stafford <laughs> blowhard. But look, he's. No one's ever said Matthew's a bad quarterback, right? Everyone has always thought right. Matthew is a good quarterback. And, I mean, if we're being honest, just like we talked about those defenses that Tampa had and, you know, the Chicago Bears and, like, Aaron Donald is a Hall of Famer. Von Miller is a Hall of Famer. Jalen Ramsey's the best quarterback in the NFL. So, he, he, I mean, not yet, but he's probably a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? So, there, that's three potential yeah. Hall of Famers on that defense. So, yeah, if you give a good quarterback a Hall of Fame defense, like they're going to win some games. And watching that game the other day, I mean, Cam, Cam Akers ran great. And, uh, you know, Arizona looked terrible like they did against the Lions, you know, five weeks ago or whatever it was. So I think Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback. And I'm not, wasn't surprised to see him win that game the other day. Um, you know, well, is he a Hall of Famer? I've, I've never quite thought that, but I think he has the, the chance in the second half of his career, you know, if he wins some games and some Super Bowls and continues to put up numbers to to be in that conversation. Well, you know, the thing with Stafford is he's going to play into his 40s. You just know he's going to, if his body doesn't break down, he's going to, and he's going to, I think he is, he's going to want to, he's going to put up the most insane numbers for a quarterback. You know, you're going to have to consider him on, at some point, you're going to have to be, he's going to have to be considered as a Hall of Famer. And if he does win, if he does beat Tom Brady in Tampa, if he gets the NFC Championship, you know, that's going to make his case. I don't know if he'll ever win a Super Bowl. Like, maybe he will. There's a lot of kind of luck that kind of goes into that, different forces that are beyond a quarterback's control necessarily. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's – and, and that, that was my one argument about Stafford was just that, you know, he is a guy who does need help. We just we just always saw it in Detroit. Oh, he's going he's gonna to throw for 5,000 yards every year. You know, he can do it all by himself. Uh, you don't need to surround him with all his talent or whatever. But, yeah, he's going to be just a, a very good quarterback, but he needs help on that. Every side quarterback side. needs help except maybe Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or whatever, right? I mean, like, like Aaron Rodgers. And, and- it's easy to forget that, and I wrote this in my grades the other day, right? That quarterback is a dependent position because it does. It takes you to have a good receiver or, you know, a good defense or, you know, some complimentary pieces. But Stafford did have a Hall of Fame receiver in Kelvin Johnson, and he did have a very good defense. It was only for one year, but 2014, that was a really good NFL defense that he had. So, um, look, I, I have never placed all the blame for the Lions' uh, struggles on Matthew Stafford nor would I, but I also don't don't think you can separate him from the struggles. He certainly is is part of the reason why they've had um, you know some of those those issues. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, if he if he and Carlos, I don't have this number in front of me. Um, you know, your loyal listeners here can look it up online. That because uh, I'm sure I, I wrote it when I wrote about Stafford's Hall of Fame candidacy a few years ago. But it's something like five quarterbacks in the hall of fame have never won a super bowl. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're in the hall of fame as a quarterback, you've won a super bowl. 
And if you don't get there and we just went through hall of fame voting yesterday, like when people start talking stats, I tune that out. Like I, I trust the people that I talk to and I trust my eyes to tell me if that player, and I trust, you know what the one sort of most meaningful number to me is as a voter is like all pro first team, all pro selections. Cause if you are that, then you are the best player at your position for that year, that, that, you know, given set of time, you know, Stafford's never, never sniffed that. Right. And Hey, I know Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, but those guys are hall of famers. So I don't know that that's where the, the struggle for me would come in when it comes to Stafford's candidacy based on what he's done right now. That's an excellent point. Um, and, and so, so, you know, I'd love to talk more. Maybe you can come on again one of these days when we get enough money in our, uh, in our budget to, 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 to pay you to come on again. Cause I know your time is valuable, but, uh, I, I definitely would love to talk to you about like Eli Manning's case and, and all that kind of stuff. And Frank, Tark Frank Tarkenton was a guy that I, I thought about when you just said that a guy who never won a super bowl, but he was just an amazing player, pro bowls, all pros, you know, all this stuff. Um, that's a great, l l but let me, I promised the re our readers or listeners that we would talk more, a little bit more about the draft. Let's just wrap up yeah. with this with, uh, Lions for now are picking number two. Yep. All right. So what is your sense of uh, just one thing, please, please promise me that Brad Holmes is not going to take Evan Neal, uh, an offensive lineman. Okay. He's not going to take an offensive lineman number two, right? Can you please promise me that right now? I think that's a safe bet, but Hey, you know, he did last year. I don't know if this was when I was talking to him or, or maybe, you know, when he did his, his little, you know, post draft press conference, he did say, you know, I'm, best player available. I'm always staying with that, right? That's my thing. Well, unless it's an offensive tackle next year, you know what I mean? He, he even oh, said that last God. year. So it's funny that now they're picking top three and the top three players look like, you know, two defensive ends and, you know, two pass rushers, let's call them in, in an offensive tackle. And I think the Lions are in a good spot where they can get one of those pass rushers. Um, in fact, you know, if I was doing a mock draft right now, still a little too early, I'd, I'd put the offensive tackle number one, because I think Jacksonville needs one of those badly to protect its investment in Trevor Lawrence. But um, I, I think it's highly unlikely the Lions take an offensive tackle. Hey, one other name since you did want to talk draft, and um, we're taping this, you know, Wednesday morning, the uh, Devin Lloyd's another name that I'm interested to see at the senior bowl linebacker that, Lions need a linebacker. The guy's a really good player. He can fly. I think he's um, still committed to the game. Um, he's going to be a high first round pick. Um, you know, I don't think he, you know, he's, he'd be in the mix at three, but you were talking about trading up earlier. That's definitely another guy that I'm anxious to see in person to see what he can do in Mobile. And who did he play for in college? Was it Utah? For Utah. So, okay. So Pac 12. Yeah. I mean, he's just, yeah. He's just a, you know, I mean, Brad Holmes loves his Pac 12 boys, right? I mean, he, Tavon Thibodeau, uh, you know, Devin Lloyd, like those are the guys that, uh, yeah, going on history, right? So Sewell, Anzarike. Well, what do you think? Because one thing one thing that, that you wrote this week was uh, earlier was uh, um, the defensive line and talking to Romeo Quara, who, one guy that they, they really miss this year. But he talked about how they can have a really, really special defensive line next year. And, and that and – that, I don't know if he was assuming they're going to take a defensive, you know, a, a rush or an edge rusher. But what do you think? I mean, if they took – Thibodeau or if they took you know Aiden Hutchinson and you have guys I don't know if they're going to bring back Charles Harris but you know you have Romeo you have his brother uh you know all these guys I mean it, that it could be one of the strengths absolutely a very good strength for the team right yeah and you know look I mean uh just so we're clear you know none of the um I, I don't think 
you know, Aiden Hutchinson or, or Kayvon Thibodeau, anyone considers them in the class of Miles Garrett or Chase Young or Jadavion Clowney, you know, as, as a prospect. So um, I don't know that you come in expecting them to get, you know, 12 sacks as a rookie, but um, the more pass rush you have, the better. Uh, I think we all know Aaron Glenn likes to be aggressive. You know, if you could pair one of those guys with, you know, a healthy Romeo Aquara, if Charles Harris plays like he did this year, you know, you've got a couple of young developmental guys and Bryant and, and Julian Aquara. I, I think that's a really good nucleus to rush the passer with. And, uh, you know, I wrote this before too, but, you know, there's something to be said about the analytics of, of taking a pass rusher and edge rusher, um, you know, early in the draft and, and the Lions, you know, certainly, you know, uh, Brad has talked before about using analytics and some of his draft stuff. And, and we saw what Dan did on fourth downs. Look, it's valuable to take that guy even more so than an offensive lineman or an interior defensive lineman or just about any position but quarterback because they essentially play three positions. They outside linebacker, defensive end, you can move them inside on, on you know, rushdowns. So um, there's just added value when you think from an analytic standpoint to take those guys too. So I would be surprised at this point, you know, if the Lions didn't take one of those um, edge rushers, even though it's it's extremely early in the draft process. All right, so Dave, Dave Burkett is guaranteeing a, an edge rusher number two for the Lions. So that's uh, that's uh, you, you heard it here first, folks. Um, no, it'll be an, it'll be an interesting process. Uh, really, that's exciting. me speaking. That's not knowing anything <laughs> Lions related. No one from Lions shared any draft where That's just my, you know, intuition from having covered this team way too long. <laughs> uh, all right, so Dave Burkett's formulating his retirement plan. Obviously, um, there you go. But uh, no, that that was great insight. There's going to be a lot more coming uh, in the next few weeks from Dave as he goes to the Senior Bowl and then the Combine and the Super Bowl to go see his uh, probably good, see his good buddy Matthew Stafford playing this in this Super Bowl at his home stadium in L.A. So, uh, not planning on going to the Super Bowl now, but. <laughs> Maybe that changes if Stafford wins. Oh, you're not planning we'll, uh, to go. Uh, there's all the media access is virtual this year. So oh, um, okay. uh, after the game, I think it'll be in person. But, you know, the media day, that's all virtual. So there's really no no reason for me to be there right now. So Other than reaching, what is it, platinum, elite, whatever, titanium status and yeah. Marriott points? Yeah. I, I mean, look, if I need to refill the Marriott points, I'm going to have to <laughs> take a trip. But, yeah. Got vacations to pay for. So, <laughs> all right, all right, Dave. So we, Sean and I, Sean Windsor. He's he's a normal co-host. He's uh, never heard of him. Yeah, he's he he's a part timer, but uh, he's not here this week. So so we wrap up the show with doing our our favorite thing from the last week or whatever it might be. Uh, something that 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 made you happy, made you smile. Uh, favorite memory, something experience. So I'm gonna as our guest, I'm gonna give you the the opportunity to share something that uh, what, what was your favorite thing recently. Well, you know, I mean, look, I'd, I'd be lying, uh, you know, if I said you didn't, you know, warn me this was coming and, and Tad was, uh, you know, our producer was, was um, talking about his soccer team right before yeah. we started taping this. And so I have to go with my girls basketball team. I mean, you know, we've, we've had a, a nice run, seventh grade girls, shout out our lady victory Cougars, um, <laughs> eight and one right now. Uh, we're a varsity two team at seventh grade. We're four and one against the eighth grade teams. So we, we were, you know, at four and oh against our own uh, age competition, but we were off to a nice little start, had a couple big victories the other day or the other weekend. And uh, we got some big games coming up this week. We got uh, we play a good St. Hugo team on, on Friday. So, you know, uh, my, my team, they're playing well right now. Uh, I'm very pleased with, with how they're doing. So that, that'll have to be my uh, happy thing or whatever you call it. 
That is amazing. Folks, folks, for, for nobody understands this, nobody nobody sees this or listens to it, all this stuff. But Dave and I, you know, when I used to go to, to actual practices and stuff and we'd we'd be in the media room, yeah. uh Dave's favorite thing it used so to be ago. it was a long time ago and, and Dave used to love to talk about his <laughs> fantasy baseball team mostly. So I'd have to hear a lot about the that's trades not, and, and how that's not entirely how true. he would go take down former free press editor Al Toby and and Chris Solari, yeah, Chris Solari, yeah, Solari's that's why I just yeah. like talking trash to those. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly so I had right. to, I had to, I had to. Less about my team, more about beating my colleagues. Yes, yes. that's what it's all about. Bragging rights. Um, so Dave enjoyed. So I'm very happy that he switched topics, and now he's he's put all of his efforts or most of his efforts into coaching his his daughter's basketball team, and um, and I'm sure you know he runs. What do you run? Like a triangle uh, offense, and I mean, it's crazy <laughs> press. What? Carlos, we have talked about this before. Look, I look. My goal, as much as I enjoy winning, my girls enjoy winning. It's not about the winning, right? At this age, my goal, as my stated goal, has always been one: have fun. All right, right. They're seventh grades. So you want to make sure they're having fun. Two and trophies. Two uh, that comes with having fun sometimes, right? I mean, let's be honest, right? Kids like to win too. They even my son, he's in first grade, right? Like they keep score. There's no scoreboard, but they keep score. Hey, we scored 35 points. Okay, you know, I don't know if you scored 35 or not, but just have fun, right? But number two is to prepare you to make the next team you try out for, right? Whether it's a high school team, a travel team, whatever it is. So I don't run any of this junk defense that some of those things that we face from other teams. I'm trying to teach my girls the right way to play. Uh, good man-to-man defense. Yes, we'll press. We'll you know introduce some different presses. We'll run some different offenses and plays. And, uh, but I'm trying to give them the tools that they need, the fundamentals that they need to make their next team. So when I get when I do my podcast, it's going to be about coaching youth sports. I'm going to bring in all these coaches <laughs> to talk about all this, the uh, the different ways, not just youth sports, but you know coaching in general. So that's what I'm going to do. Right, that's my passion project these days. So um, yeah, we're. Uh, we're just you got to do it for the right reasons and you got to make sure that the girls are learning the right stuff to help them make their next team. All right, that that's uh that's well said from uh what is it like five-time coach of the year and uh and CYO whatever it was that you're in your own head. Your own head. Okay. Yeah. All right, so so my my favorite thing this week was kind of loosely related to sports, but uh, over the last week over the 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 holiday weekend, my wife and I um we binge-watched an HBO limited series called Station Eleven. It's based off of a book that was published, I think, uh, I don't know, it was early, somewhere around 2014 or something like that. She'd read the book, so it came out in a in a TV form, and she really loved it. She really loved watching it. I liked it. It was a very good show, but she broke down a lot of the stuff that was going on. It's kind of complex. It's about a pandemic, you know, oddly enough. Um, but she broke down a lot of the stuff and explaining what was going on, the differences between the book and the movie or the, the TV show. And I realized this was her version of explaining sports to me. Cause sometimes when, you know, you'll sit down with your wife, you'll explain like, you know, well, this is a play action pass. This is what, well, why are they doing that? And you have to explain it. So she had explained a lot of the sort of intricacies of the whole plot and why things, and it, by the way, it centers around the Chicago, Michigan area that spend a lot of time in, this is in the, you know, 20 years in the future or whatever, but, um, uh, it, so it was really, it was, it was enjoyable to see my wife, uh, take pleasure in, in explaining intricacies as something that I knew nothing about and probably had only a little bit of interest in probably a lot like our wives sometimes have little interest in what we do. So, uh, so it was a lot of fun, but it's a good movie. It's a good or limited series on HBO called uh, station 11. Um, look for it. Um, 
read the book. Maybe the maybe the you'll enjoy the book more. I don't. Dave and I don't read books anymore, so we just watch TV. And you know, uh, I don't mean to. I don't know if that's how you end your your episodes. And no, go ahead. You're the you're the man. You're the man. No, I was just gonna say I I haven't I don't read books enough. But Carlos, I I have a stack of books on the floor of my office back here that uh, a friend gave me, just some sports related books, and my wife got me. Um, one for Christmas that I'm like, I, I even told my daughter the other day, like, I need to start reading more. I'm going to start taking these on planes and I'm going to start reading. And so that's one of my, I hesitate to call it a new year's resolution. Cause what are we three weeks in? And I haven't read a, 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 a drop yet, but I do plan to read more at some point in my near future. Now, are these real books or is it like how to coach girls basketball championship level or something like that? Or what kind of real, what kind of books are you talking here? No, they're um, so uh, okay. True story. I actually read a book this fall that I took when I went down. We took a little vacation by week uh, called "Heaven Is a Playground," an old Rick Tellender book uh, about New York City basketball. And uh, God, I can't. One of you look. I threw this out on Twitter in one of my mailbags over the summer, and someone had recommended the book and said, "You know, you might like this." Knowing, you know, sort of that I. I'm kind of a basketball junkie at heart. And uh, so I picked it up and I, I read it over the, the fall. And um, these are different, you know, I, we're on Zoom here and I'm going to take you with me to roll over here. They're, you know, uh, different sports related books. There's a, you know, a life of Riley in here. There's a, the rise and fall of the press box. There's a, uh, there's a book by Ira Burkow, you know, so there's, there's a, you know, baseball book in here that I got. So, um, just the friend had given me some of these baseball books was cleaning out his office or these sports books. And so, like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to start reading a little bit and, uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe I'll pick up some non non sports related books to read as well. All right. All right. That, that's something we'll have to talk about in the future in our, uh, maybe we'll do like a book talk or something, a book chat. Uh, in the coming days, so yeah, that's that's cool. I, I need. I, I'm going to resolve to also read a little bit more. Uh, I do read a lot of magazine stuff, but not as much uh, like long form or, or you know novel, short stories, whatever it might be. So I'll have to do that too. So um, so once again, Dave, thanks thanks for coming on, man. It was really uh, really fun, really entertaining. Very, no, I don't uh, get to see you much down there anymore. So this is how we got to catch up. So. You know what? I was just thinking about this because I did not go to the final game because of COVID issues in, in my house. And then the week before that, they were in Seattle. And then I don't, did they, I don't know what the game before that. Christmas, Christmas week. Yeah, yeah Christmas I mean, week. They were in so, Atlanta, but I don't know if they were out there. So it's been like, it's been like more than a month since I've actually like seen you in person. I think I saw you about six times this year. So yeah, it's good to see you finally, Carlos. So, you know. <laughs> Good. I hope you don't remember what I look like. I know you don't answer. You don't yeah. answer my text, so uh, it's it's good to, to catch up once in a while. The great Dave Burkett. All right. Well, hey, thanks again, Dave. So uh, you got it. So we'll we'll catch up again. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. We'd like to thank our producer Tad Davis, executive producers Anjanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford, and free press editor Peter Batia for making it all happen. If you like the show please subscribe and like, and you can find the show anywhere you find your podcasts on Spotify or Apple. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.